and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out Podcast, the show where we drink beer and geek out. We have another special episode today. I'm Keith with Saf. Oh yeah, hey. And we love NES and spooky music so much that we decided to put another episode out. But this episode, we're going to focus exclusively on Mario. In particular, the Mario Ghosts. And the little ghost house that you go haunted in. Haunted houses, haunted ghost houses, houses ga- ghost galaxies, depending on the game. That's true. But I think it's been like ever since Super Mario World or something, there's yeah. been like a ghost or Mario Brothers 3 mm-hmm. or something, that the ghosts have been introduced and uh, they've kind of evolved throughout the years. So it's our special dedication for them, hopefully still in this month of October whenever we <laughs> air this episode. But going along with the spooky theme. <laughs> we're recording in October, so I guess that's all that counts. That counts, yeah. <laughs> and we're doing it in my Nintendo-ish themed room. Oh, so exciting. Um, I guess, uh, before we get to the music, I'm just going to read this little blurb I wrote about booze. Because we're talking about booze. Booze. Not alcohol, but spooky booze. <laughs> we'll drink booze, and we'll talk about booze. Plenty of booze. There's a lot of booze in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Originally known as Boo Diddleys, a pun off the late rock star Bo Diddley and later Boo Buddies, are common ghost enemies in the Mario franchise that first appeared in Super Mario Bros. 3 on the NES. There is no ghost theme in SMB3 because they just appear throughout regular levels as an enemy and they do not have their own little ghost house until Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. They are a type of white spherical ghost with menacing and normally open mouths. They are known for their large tongues and small arms <laughs> of some sort. However, their most distinctive characteristic of the booze is their shy personality, where they cover their faces when someone looks at them directly in the face. They will uncover their faces once the subject turns around. So they're not that difficult to defeat. You can't really defeat them. No, you, they, you just... Only in a couple games you could actually like jump on them and kill them. But... Yeah, I figure like with star power or something. Maybe yeah, you I think you can do that too. Um, but they're not, they don't chase you and, and Unless you just have to look they'll, at they'll them. They'll follow you. They'll follow you. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes all you they do can is corner you stare if at you them. not, if you like get to a dead end, they can corner you pretty easily. But yeah, if true. you know where you're going in these games, they're pretty useless. Yeah. They're an interesting character. That's for sure. All right. First game we're going to play is Super Mario Land 2. And the composer for this game is, um, Kazami Tati. Tutaka? Tutaka? Yeah, that guy. Kazumi Tutoka? Tutaka? Tutaka? Tutoka? Tutataka? I'm sorry, folks. Um, I can tell you a little bit about him first, unless you want to listen to music. I'll play one track, and then we'll talk about him. How about that? All right. Because I got three, actually, for this game. This Ooh, game, lots of games is from 1989 for the Game Boy. Here's the first track. It's from the Haunted House level. I don't know how this is considered spooky or anything. It kind of seems like maybe that high pitched yeah. is kind of, but it's kind of like do de do de do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's more like <laughs> hey guys, <Yeah. laughs> not very spooky. But then again, this is a Game Boy, so yeah, Game Boy. Was it Super Mario Land two or one? Super Mario Land two, the gold coin, six gold coins or whatever that game's called. That's a good classic. Okay, let's hear about this guy or girl. I don't remember. <laughs> He was born August 23, 1967, as a Japanese video game composer and sound director who is best known for his various compositions and many Nintendo games. He occasionally does voice acting as well, including Yoshi from the Mario series. Mm. Really? He also Yoshi. directed... Yeah, I can't even do it. He's so high-pitched. Like, awesome. <laughs> and directed the development of Wii Music. Ooh. That Wii Music is pretty catchy. Yes. Okay. Let's do the graveyard theme. I think this one's a little spookier. Yes, I remember this. Yeah. Dude, dude, dude. I kind of it's like squeaky floorboards yeah. is what I always picture that as. <laughs> so squeaky. And then that little... I call those spiders. It's like a squeaky floorboard. 
again. There they are. There they are. <laughs> yeah, I remember that song. So the bad guy in this game is Wario? Mm-hmm. This is Wario's first introduction. That is. That's right. I'll see what's in Super Mario Land 1. But he's the main no, yeah, I don't think he bad guy in all the Game Boy games. Until he got his own Game Boy game. That's true. Super Wario World or whatever it was. <laughs> Super Mario Wario Land. Alright. Then we have the Pumpkin Zone map. Which is the compilation of spooky areas. That's pretty spooky. Yeah. There. Oh yeah, this is the spooky part. I don't really know... How to describe a spooky... Like, what makes the song spooky? Like, uh, the, the change in tones, or... The tones, the... It's like a minor chord. Starting with something. Kind of like creeping. Like, tiptoeing through something. Yeah. just reminds you of... Like what constitutes is making something scary. Fear of the unknown. <laughs> What's around the next corner? What kind of uh, note is going to come next? That's they're, true. They're kind of all like all out of balance. It seems like. So something out of the ordinary, something that's non-traditional, I think, would be considered spooky. All right, Super Mario World. This Good is game. Koji Kondo is our composer on this one. Koji Kondo. What are we listening to first? Um, this is, I only got one track, it's from the ghost house in the Super Mario World, I'll play it real quick. This is where they first got their own house. Yep. Yes. Many hours playing this game, it was one of my favorite Mario games. Yes, and I think there's like 11 ghost house in this game or something like that. songs from a Mario uh -huh. game. I think they included this in Mario Kart. You would play the Ghost Fun Valley ghost or Ghost Levels. Road or whatever. Yeah, there's a couple of the ghost houses with all the booze in the background and holes in the floor. Yeah. And I think they played this music in the background. It's like a tuba. Yeah. And it kind of like bends the notes a little bit to make mm -hmm. it a little spookier. And as annoying as that, it's not because it no. fits with yeah. the rest of it. Unlike that beep boop boop warp from the yeah. last beep boop 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 boop. Whatever. Yeah. Music episode. All right, want to move on? Yeah. Let's hear about Koji Kondo. Oh, right, I'll tell you right. a little bit about Koji. Uh, Japanese uh, music composer, pianist, and sound director, best known for his involvement in numerous titles in the Mario and Legend of Zelda series of video games. Makes sense because that's what's classic. Yep. Among other games produced by the company. Kondo was originally hired by Nintendo in 84, becoming the first person hired by the company to specialize in musical composition for games. Wow. I guess that's why he's so iconic. Absolutely. Shortly after, Kondo was assigned as the sound designer in the 1985 ga game Super Mario Brothers. His sound design for the game, more specifically the musical theme for the overworld, are often cited as the most memorable in video games. Definitely. He was born, I didn't mention that, in 61. So he's old. He's yeah, good. he's getting, yeah. That's what, like, later on this list, it's all younger people that, like, in their 30s. Cause yeah. Because he's getting up there in years. But he doesn't all, really All do these guys, like, like the anymore. original guys, it sounds like he was uh, the first composer that was hired by Nintendo. Yeah. So they're, these are the guys that laid the groundwork. For all of the songs the bar. here. Because they kind of, like, reuse a lot of these. Uh -huh. Especially the Mario theme or the Zelda theme. Definitely, I'm sure. Yeah, they reuse this spooky thing I'm sure in all the other Mario games hopefully we'll hear this again in some yeah variation. there's like three or more different games where they reuse like up upgrade or update the song a little mm -hmm. bit for like the better graphics but Super Mario 64 has an interesting it's not, I wouldn't even really classify this as a song yes it's like chanting Gregorian yeah. chants that's almost um, Temple of Time yeah. esque with the old uh -huh background. 
always remember playing this. I'm like, is it somebody going, oh, yeah, that's what or it is it just like. noise? It's kind of hard to tell. It's really. Like, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like when you had those old Casio keyboards where it had like the dinosaur yes, noise, but yes. it could change the pitch of it. Yeah, you're right. But it's a guy going, oh, and they just keep changing the pitch of it to deeper and deeper. It's like Bob singing. <laughs> I like the drums in it, but like it's kind of a step back. I think Super Mario World is a much better spooky song than this yeah. is. I mean, I can see why it's spooky. It, I, I, it's scary, spooky, like, but it's just not. Yeah. As, there's not really much to it. It's just like oh, whoa, oh, oh, over yeah. and over. <laughs> yeah, there's no variation. All right, new Super Mario Bros. The composers are. Asuka Ota and Hajimi Wakai. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> so, Asuka Hayazuki is. If you want to tell us about her first. Uh, sure. She is a composer employed at Nintendo EAD, Kyoto, April 2003 to September 2015. She's composed for a variety of games along with other composers, including several Mario and the Legend of Zelda titles like Mario Kart Wii and the Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures, as well as other titles like Wii Fit Plus, which I never played, and <laughs> Nintendo Dogs Plus Cats. Also didn't play that. She later got transferred to the Nintendo EPD's Sound Group in September 2015. So she's composed quite a bit. Let's hear her song and then we'll hear about the other guy. Yeah, there's throwback. Still has a D. It's a little bit different. It has that same beat to beat, but the, the organ part's different. Kept the the basic the bido bido part. It's that's the same. Yeah. Oh, did you notice that in your earphones it came from one side it and then went to the, the next? <laughs> oh, that was so cool. Get stereo sound. So does that? It's like yeah. rotating. It gets louder and it's like rotating in your brain. That's really cool. I like that one. All right. Let's hear about the other guy. Was that hi Jimmy? Hi Jimmy. Yeah. Hajime Wakai is a composer who has worked with Nintendo ever since the Nintendo 64 era. He's been involved with the soundtrack of several games, including those on Star Fox and Pikmin franchises. He is known to have provided the voice samples of the Pikmin creatures in the games. Didn't they just squeak? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) He has also worked on the Legend of Zelda franchise on titles including Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. Ooh, so he's got some some big games there. So what do we have for him? That was the, his song. Oh. Those two collaborated. We just oh, they collaborated. Them. Gotcha. Um, so that was the new Super Mario Bros. That was in 2006 for the DS. We actually skipped Super Mario Sunshine somehow, so let's go back and look at the GameCube. That was a good soundtrack altogether. Yeah. It's Mario Sunshine. Weird. Some iconic music in that. Oh, yeah. It, this is at the Hotel Delfino or whatever. It's haunted. Hence, like, rattling bones yeah, in the background. Yeah, uh, rattling bones. Haunted. And then there's, like, some bending of the chords that kind of make it, like, off balance. Yeah. There it is. And it's, it's kind of, it sounds like a hotel lobby, like, uh-huh. with all this stuff added on to it. Sunshine was a fun game. Yeah, this is like his beach vacation song. Yeah. But it's haunted, so it's there's haunted. like bones. So he had a little bit of those and that stuff to it. Oh, that's kind of cool. I don't remember this from this game. Oh, yeah. Don't remember this song or this level. Or Either. any of it. I just remember going to the hotel and you have to spray those guys and then jump on them and then get to the next level. Okay. And there's like booze floating around in there. <laughs> 
but I don't remember much past that. Yeah, I don't think the ghosts had a big part, but the booze had a big part was. Just the stupid pinata people just <laughs> That's all I remember. And spraying them in the gun. Gun. <laughs> Um, that was by Koji Kondo and Shinobu Tanaka. Ooh, gotta find him. Might not be on Earth, actually. Did you say Kubo? Shinobu. I don't know if there's no Shinobu. There is a Shinobu, but he's got a different last name, so it might be a different guy. I don't think he's on here. Alright, right, oh, there he is. Shinobu Nagata? Sure. I don't know if that's the same guy, because I said oh. Tanaka, but I might have <laughs> spelled it wrong. Well, let's assume that's the same guy. Well, it says she, so... Oh, probably a maiden name. Shinobu, yeah, is a composer for several Mario games and sometimes worked with other composers for music within the games. She also plays the piano. That's not like too much over there. Um, what next? Let me get back on track, because we've got a lot of order here. That's a 2002 GameCube game. So we're on Super Mario Galaxy, which is a 2007 Wii game. First, there's two tracks actually from this game. There's, let's get to Ghostly Galaxy. This is by Mahito Yokata and Koji Kondo again. Sounds like something. It does. these like TV shows or something. I'm like, I have heard this before. I like this part. Violin or fiddle or something. for a mojito. <laughs> uh, what was his name? I never found him. Sorry. It's Mojito Yakoto. Where is he? It's down in the... towards the bottom. Like fifth oh, one there is. Mojito Yokata is a Japanese music composer and orchestrator who works for the video game development company Nintendo, obviously. <laughs> I think he all these is <laughs> most known for his collaborations with Koji Kondo in the Super Mario Galaxy series, along with the Super Mario 3D World, which I think we're going to get to. Yep, we'll get to that here shortly. Prior to joining Nintendo in 2003, Yokoto served as an audio director at Koei. Mm, nice. All right, that leads us to our second Galaxy song, which is Deep Dark Galaxy. like that mystery exploring. It's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot darker, deeper. Get your cellos. Yeah, it does sound like that. Super Mario Galaxy actually had some really good music. 
cat jumped out from behind the door. <laughs> well, so a lot of these Mario games, as the technology advanced, they could include like normal music. Yeah, it wasn't this it's, yeah, it's like orchestra and stuff MIDI, like that. Eight bit type music. All right, what's next after Galaxy? We've got new Super Mario Brothers Wii in 2009 composer Shiho Fuji Ryo Nagamutsu <laughs> and Kenta Nagata see I think I combined Shinobu Nagata and Kentu Nagata I found Kenta let's hear about Kenta first then Kenta is a game composer working for Nintendo, joining the company in the EAD Kyoto department. He has been mostly active in the Mario Kart and Zelda franchises, being Mario Kart 64 and The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker among his most notable works, as well as the recent New Super Mario Bros. subseries. Here we go. New Super Mario Bros. Wii. stay away from that because that's like a full game of music that I but I do have the title theme just to compare it if we want to do that real quick let's hear about the next composer first and then I'll do that what is that one Shiho Fuji is that guy on here I don't think I saw that one nope yep there he is Shiho Fuji is a Japanese video game music composer who works for Nintendo. Oh, we should probably delete that first line. She is yes. best known for writing music for New Super Mario Brothers, Wii, The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, Mario Kart 8, and Splatoon, which I heard is really fun, but I never played. Yeah. Because we don't have a Wii U. Yeah. Which is now defunct. I'm disappointed that it didn't call the sequel Splatoon with just TWO instead. <laughs> All right, here's Luigi Mansion. It's kind of hard to, because that's not it. Say it's identical. I can't. The thing's too small. It's got Luigi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, Luigi. I love Luigi. <laughs> He's got a great personality in this game. I love that he sings along. It's very similar. It is very similar. That game came out in 2001 or two, I think. It was one of the. It was the first first GameCube game. Yeah. Probably 2001 because people were freaking out because Luigi got the title game for the GameCube and not a Mario game, but they didn't have Sunshine ready. To go yet. Yeah, that didn't come out to another year later or mm-hmm. maybe more. Because it was Luigi's and uh, Smash Brothers were like the two biggest releases. Yeah, that's Melee right. Were the first ones to come out. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Alright, that was a good little side side song there. But yeah, that was very similar. Um, We just finished with the Wii, I think. So we're back to Super Mario Galaxy 2. This is Boo Moon Galaxy. Yep. It's, yep. The Super Mario World. Yes, it is. But it's kind of, kind of like twinkling, like stars, because you're in the galaxy yep. now. There's the star bits mm-hmm. that you have to shoot down <laughs> with the Wiimote. mode. Yeah. Almost makes me want to play video games with headphones on. I know. I love how deep this is. Yeah, that's really deep. Kanda, which I think we've read all those 
think we talked about those guys already. I just want to mention them. I don't know if we talked about Rio, actually. Uh, no, we haven't. Alright, read that one. Uh, Ryo Nagamatsu is a Japanese... Okay, yeah, he works for Nintendo. <laughs> for Japanese his debut too. role, he, he composed several songs for Wii Play. He's also known for composing many of the songs found in Mario Kart Wii and Mario Kart 8, as well as the entire soundtracks to The Legend of Zelda, oh. A Link Between Worlds. Not the Game Boy That's game the game that we play? Or the DS game. DS game, yeah. And Triforce Heroes. So it looks like... The other two guys were the ones who originally created this song, and it looks like maybe he's the he's, one that kind of put the little twist on yep. it. Added the uh, orchestra and the tuba and whatever else. This will lead us to go back to the list. Super Mario 3D Land. This is by Asuka Hayazuki, Takeshi Hama, and Mojito again. This was the ghostly galaxy theme. But I think there's a little bit added to it towards the end, if I'm not mistaken. It's just almost a waltz, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Two, three, one, two, three. It's like very 1700s esque yeah. type waltz. It's like you in the Haunted Mansion ride, I think it was some stuff like this playing. This was on the 3DS in 2011, so it's came out four years after the Mario Galaxy, but it's on a handheld system, so... it is in there. But not as much. Uh-uh. It's not like this one Well, this one is because it's on the Wii and the other one's on the handheld 3DS, so it, yeah, it, yeah, it's only got those little tiny speakers and you can't get as much out of that little okay. handheld system. It, it, it tries then for a yeah. handheld. Alright, what do we have next? New Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS. Leaf beat level. Click it there. It's like the horse again. So the special Luigi's Mansion esque one uh, that was on New Super Mario Bros. Wii. But I like this one because it adds that. Burp. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only thing different is it adds that weird voice. Reminds me too. Uh, if you go back to Mario 64, uh, when you're in the cage of the Boo World. Carousel. Oh yeah, uh, that's what that sounds like. That's like what's playing in the background when you You're have right. to kill all those boos. Yeah, that part wasn't on my track that for the '64 version. And then this was composed by Kenta Nagata. I think we already talked about that person. They also did this, the new Super Mario Bros. Wii, which is what this song was originally from. Mm. All right, here's the second song from New Super Mario Brothers 2. It's from the Gold Ring level. It's basically the same song, but it's like a little twinklier. Yeah, it is. It's got like, I don't know, like Christmassy or something. Yeah, it's like those little bells or something playing in the background. I wonder if this is like a snow-themed ghost level. Ghost. <laughs> Ice ghost. Yeah, it is kind of cool when they added that. 
adding jingle bells to a pop song turns into a Christmas song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how that's done. Alright, let's go to New Super Mario Brothers Wii uh, U for the Wii U, which is also in 2012. This is the Baby Yoshi level. Again, I'm going through these kind of fast because they're very similar songs. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. This one I like because it's got the baby channels. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> This was composed by Shiho Fuji and Mahito Yakota again. Heard that name a lot. That will lead us into Super Mario 3D World for the Wii U, which came out in 2013. This one I put James Bondy. I was that say, beginning, it's very James Bond. And even that part is like. Kondo, and another name that I can't read. Huh. Now this is from Super Mario Maker. That came out on the Wii U. Oh yeah. This is for the original Super Mario Brothers. Because there was not a ghost theme in that That's game. That's right. But you could change in between Super Mario, Super Mario 3, and Super Mario World. So they had to make a new song. And for eight bit spooky yeah. houses. It's still pretty good. I like that. Yeah. So it's it's the new Super Mario Bros. theme. Just they made it retro. So if I go back to the new Super Mario Brothers song. Not that one. Like the rest of the song, like this part. 
do 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 part is too loud. Yeah, that needs to turn that down a bit, and this would be better. Yeah, that does kind of what it sounds like. Alright, that's all of my songs, actually. Oh, wow. I'm sure there's probably more for Odyssey, but that game, as we record this, has not come out yet. Yeah, that's true. Mario in the real world. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing there's booze in that game. But speaking of booze... Yes? <laughs> would you like to drink some beer? I would love some booze beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what we got. All right, the beer we have this time, I don't know, do we want to call this craft beer? Um, Actually, I think they are a craft brewery, because they're not, but they're the biggest one there is. One of the biggest ones. I mean, at a time, I think they were craft, but then they've just now become part of the mainstream. Yeah. So we're talking about Samuel Adams um, from the Boston Beer Company, um, and recently... Well, I think in the past like five years or something that they've been putting out all sorts of different stuff for their fall sampler packs and everything yeah, else. Yeah, they got a huge variety now. Um, I know they're definitely known for their Oktoberfest and mm-hmm. their fall beers. Um, a huge following with those. Or their typical Boston lager. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and we have this time the 20 Pounds of Pumpkin. And it says, originally used as a source of fermentable sugars in brewing, today we add pumpkin to our beer, well, because it tastes good. Mm. Roasted malts and real pumpkin, about 20 pounds per barrel, give this beer body and sweetness, while spices like clove, cinnamon, ginger, and nutmeg warm you up on a crisp fall day, <laughs> which we haven't experienced yet because it's still no, in the freaking 80 degrees. Rainy in October. Almost. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. I will say I do like the... Um, the bottle that they I have do, here. yeah. The little smashed up pumpkin. I like the orange pumpkin. and the smashed up jack-o'-lantern. And this kind of looks like a ticket down here. Or uh, like a... Oh, yeah, it does. Well, it says uh, limited release. So okay. it's a little ticket for your limited release of the gotcha. 20 pounds of pumpkin. Came in one of those, their big sampler packs. And it's sitting on a stump with an axe next to it. This... Wait, what, wait, what does that say? Sam L... Samuel? No, it just says Sam L. In the, the background? Oh, it's the cutoff U, so it's supposed to be oh, Samuel okay. Adams. <laughs> it just looks like Sam there's, L. There's the D-A-M, the dam in the back. Gotcha. So that's kind of cool. It's a little nostalgic looking. A little axe breaking up the jack-o'-lantern. A little scary. And it's fall colors. The yeah. navy blue, the orange, the darker orange, the yellow orange. Pretty neat. If we look at the beer... It's a like a clear, ambery, a little darker than amber, I would say. Yeah. Like kind of a light brown orange. A burnt orange. Bronze looking. Yeah. Let's get a whiff. Yeah, I smell the pumpkin. Mm-hmm, there's a pumpkin. Kind of like pumpkin pie. Cloves. I was going to say nutmeg. Yep. Almost like a candle. Ugh. Yeah, it does kind of smell. <laughs> Potpourri. That's the hard thing. All right, let's sip it. Yeah. yeah. It's a little tangy. It is. Like, a little too crisp or something. Hmm. It's not bad, though. No. It's, like, super light, which you can guess based on how clear it is. It's not, there's, like, not much body to it. Mm-hmm. If I didn't say it is a 5.7 mm. ABV, 14 IBU. Oh, yeah. Actually higher ABV than I was expecting. I was thinking like 4.5. Yeah, you would think it'd be a lot less. Now, they put it under the category, these are pumpkin slash yam beers. Yam. So hmm. are they putting yams in or are they putting pumpkin? Is pumpkin a form of a yam? I'm so confused. They taste similar, so they probably just, whatever's cheaper that week. Yeah. <laughs> they throw them in there. Yam beer. Because what was that warlock? Is that a pumpkin yam beer? Yes, it was. It <laughs> caught me mid-drink. You were shaking your head. The initial taste of pumpkin, it hits you. Mm-hmm. And it kind of trails off. There's not much to it after that. And you get that clovey... Kind of like a dry... Dry aftertaste. Boring aftertaste. So you get an initial kick of pumpkin. You get those first 20 pounds of pumpkin, and then they kind of run away. Yeah. 
I think the more you drink it, I'm guessing that pumpkin flavor will stick it, in your it'll mouth. It'll probably stick with you a lot more. And you'll get sick of it. <laughs> you definitely will get sick of it. I don't know if I could drink six-pack mm. of these. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm it's actually, Halloween. Give me one pumpkin beer. Yeah, and that's it. one pumpkin beer a season is about good enough for me. Yeah. I think any more than that, it just gets, it just gets old pretty quick. Because it used to be a novelty. Now it's just like the yeah. thing to do. Everybody does it. But it's got to be an acquired taste. I mean, you got to love everything pumpkin. Yeah. I still like pumpkin pie, but and like pumpkin like desserts, but like drinks and food like other. Things. Yeah, it's like you can't really replicate it. I don't want to drink my pumpkin. Right. It's usually got an artificial pumpkin flavor. Yeah. Most of the drinks do. Well, Untapped has average three point four eight out of twenty eight thousand rankings. Mm, rate beer sixty four overall, but an eighty four style. So, I guess for the pumpkin, as far as pumpkin beers go, it's up there. But there's only 88 ratings. Yeah. Um, Beer Advocate, 3.71 out of 5 with only 247. And the picture is actually a different bottle. I don't like it as much. Yeah, it's pretty basic. It's like their old one. It's like cartoony, like, oh, look, we're happy beer. And this is like jacked up, (laughs) jack-o'-lantern, guts pouring out. It's kind of like a spookier. Months after Halloween. Yeah, November, Rotten Pumpkin. pumpkin. Definitely a better label. It's available in the fall, obviously, if you didn't mention that. Nope. I figured that was a given (laughs) when we said limited release (laughs) and we're in the fall. I think it's only available in their sampler pack. Oh, yeah. I I don't think I've seen a six-pack of this. I could be wrong. I can understand why, because I wouldn't want more than maybe a couple of them. Yeah, I mean, it's enough to try it. Yeah pumpkin beer alright give me an Oktoberfest yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing there's people that love it like love pumpkin beer and yeah. that's like what they live for But I mean I'm kind of excited for it like it comes out once a year so I, yeah, I like trying a different pumpkin beer every, every year. year yeah like one a yeah. year is fine like a different brand or different yeah, brewery like if we did a, a pumpkin beer episode I think I'd be like that's what we did last year and that burned me out on yeah. pumpkin beers for it's just a like, long time uh, vomit pumpkins that's why I rated those really low because I was getting so sick of them by the end. <laughs> um, I got a comment here. For a pumpkin ale, this is not bad. I'm generally not a fan of pumpkin beer, but I like this one. Not too pumpkin-y. Poured a nice head, clear brown body, sort of fruity smell with a cola taste and a bit of a pumpkin and nutmeg. Cola. Good with tonight's soup. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah, a little bit of cola. I'm waiting for like Pepsi and Coke to bring out a pumpkin. Pepsi Coke. pumpkin. Yeah. Pumpkin Pepsi. Call it a Coca Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just kinda of boring. It is. That's why I agree with this most recent guy on Untapped. Hmm. Basic. Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna rate it that low though. Actually, I don't know no. <laughs> Not something I drink very often, but like we said, like once a year type thing. Like one bottle a year. Usually, what, three coming in a sample pack? Three of each? Yes. Four different styles, three of each. So you grab three friends, you give them the other two, you 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 take one, give the two away. <laughs> Which is why I brought one to share with you. <laughs> so now I only have one more to drink. You're right. Yeah, this aftertaste isn't sitting well. Mm, I know. I don't know. It might be good with like Thanksgiving dinner or something, but yeah, I think with certain just food pairings, just to get rid of the yeah. extra pumpkiny taste. It's like, like you said, I enjoy pumpkin desserts. Like, but I'm not gonna sit there and eat a whole freaking pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. <laughs> I'll be like, why did I do this? I just hate this now. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm poking it in right now. I'll let you go first this time. Uh, if I'm you're ready, two point seven five. Um, Fair. I would have gone three, but I don't know about drinking much more than a couple of these. Yeah. The more sitting here just talking about it, I can feel the aftertaste in my mouth, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I need to go eat something. <laughs> it's like you want to scratch your tongue because it's, yeah. it's just sitting on there. It's the thing with pumpkin that I've noticed that when people try to replicate it, a lot of the spices, the cloves, they overdo the yeah. cloves. And there's certain types of pumpkin pie that you get true pumpkin flavor or you get clovey yeah. flavor. 
And I think this you is you get a, a lot of bit... those spices, like pumpkin spices. Right. Not I don't just... want the pumpkin spice. I don't want that taste of like true pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard out there because they just keep throwing in this pumpkin spice, 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 and it just keeps adding. Ugh. And I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. I like the initial kick, the twenty pound punch that you get. Yeah, it's a um, good up front. It's good up front, but man, I am not enjoying. The taste is rotting like this jacket <laughs> on this bottle. I, I get why they changed the label. <laughs> See, I agree with you pretty much all over. I gave it a two and a half, though. I put it right at the middle of the road, mm-hmm. as middle as I could go, because, like, I mean, I'll drink a bottle of it and not really hate myself for it, but it's not something I'm going to go searching for. And not, right. I would definitely not grab a second one after finishing this. I would no. go for something else. Something to wash it out with, right. yeah. But if it's Halloween, it's October, you open your yeah. fridge, oh, look, a pumpkin beer. That's not from five years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'll enjoy this. Yeah. One a year is fine. It's a two and a half. All right. Do you want to, do you want to have another beer? Sure. I'm not going to turn down beer. <laughs> well, let's just to wash this one out of our mouths. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Do something a little more crafty, I guess. Well, we decided one more beer. And uh, we have Victory Hop Devil IPA. A little bit more on the crafty side yes. this time. Um. A little bit about this beer. It is the Hop Devil IPA. Bold, spicy, and menacingly delicious. This American hopped IPA offers an aromic punch and follows through with a lasting, full-bodied finish. The malts used are Pilsner, Vienna, medium caramel malt. Hops are Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. ABV of 6.7%. The flavor profile is pine and citrus-filled nose from the American hops. Malt sweetness in there as well. Drinkable hop juiciness is the key while remaining balanced with ample caramel presence. Um, It says, serving suggestion, serve at 48 degrees Fahrenheit, pouring gentle to keep the head at bay until the last bit of the bottle, which can be poured with vigor. (laughs) It is available year-round in 12-ounce bottles and on draft, and in cans. Oh, cool. I didn't know they did cans. Yeah, there's a little picture of the little cans right there. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Um, I just want to mention Victory Brewing Company is a brewery founded in 1996 in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hmm. wonder what part of Pennsylvania that is. Mm, yeah, I don't know where that is. I don't is. have a map. It is the southeast side of Pennsylvania. Okay, so the opposite side of where Pittsburgh is. <laughs> it's almost the southeastmost city. Tip. Yeah, just a tip. Uh, the bottles looks really cool. Yeah, I like the purple. The devil is a hop, I'm guessing. Yep, he's a hop devil. <laughs> he's got horns and earrings. He looks like a little hop. Yeah, he has his little earrings right there. <laughs> he's got those red glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. I like the colors. I wish it was a little less cartoony, a little more sinister maybe. Yeah. It's like a little too animated, I think. But I, I mean, I think it's cool. Absolutely. And I like the Hop Devil font on this one as well. Yeah. That's a cool-looking font. Um, I do love their bottle, too, because mm-hmm. they give you all this um, extra information on here. Basically, everything I already read you. Um, but they give you know the contents, ABV, the class, what they call it, and the brewmaster approval. So Bill Ron, or Bill and Ron, um, both approved this beer. So. Thanks a lot, Bill and Ron, or Bill, Bill Ron. Ron, if you're one or two people. <laughs> But yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'm going to mention real quick, there's crunching in the background. That's Swirely. He's chewing on a bone underneath the table. I don't know if it's picking it up on the microphone, but if you hear that, that's what that noise is. (laughs) And since it's a Halloween episode, um, it's a human bone. Yep. It's a femur. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What kind of beer is this? An IPA? IPA? It looks like an IPA. It's... Kind of like cloudy. cloudy looking. Yeah, it's very cloudy. Can't really can't see really through see it through at all. Just a little bit outline of my finger, but not much. There's a nice little creamy head on top. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you give it that spin test. It really, whew. yeah, really floral pine, smell. Pine and citrus filled nose citrus. is what the website says. Kind of smells soapy. Not soupy. <laughs> soupy. <laughs> Sorry, pal. I like the smell though. Yeah. Very clean smelling. I'm going to taste it. Wow. That's kind of all over the place. It's, it is. It's, it's like... It's IPA. It's citrus. It's super bitter. 
Wow. There's took, a lot happening in I my mouth I took a right roller now. coaster ride because it's like, oh, there's nothing. There's, oh, yeah. there's a whole bunch. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, oh my God, there it is. <laughs> Whoa. An aromatic, an aromatic, excuse me, punch follows through with a lasting full-bodied finish. Well, lots of bodies in there. Mm-hmm. There's an aftertaste, but I don't think it's a horrible aftertaste. It's mm-hmm. just... I think that citra in there kind of helps it. Kind of a floral thing, piney aftertaste. But it did say the Chinook hops, and I think, isn't that what we sampled at Bird Boy yes. when we were there? So I'm like, oh, there's that flavor. Very smooth and creamy. It's pretty good. I'd much rather have a couple of these than a 20 pounds of pumpkin. Oh, dear God, yes. <laughs> like their description that I read, hop juiciness. It's juicy yeah. with a lot of different hops going mm-hmm. on. Bold, spicy, menacingly delicious. Menacingly delicious. <laughs> Your happy charms. <laughs> we should do that. We should have a beer cereal episode. We tried different <laughs> beer with IPAs, breakfast stouts. Uh, oh. I bet the breakfast stout would be good with some cereal. It probably would. Or like a milk stout. Ooh, that would be. Some milk stout Cheerios. <laughs> I think he had too much of the sugar in there. It might counteract it. But if you do like regular Cheerios, maybe. Yeah. Beerios. <laughs> Not a lot of comments. Do a Honey Nut Cheerio with an Oktoberfest because they always have like a hun- honey multi-flavored. Ooh. Uh, right beer. What do they say? We've got an overall 98 with a style of 98 and over 3,000 radians actually. So a lot more than normal. Hmm. And that's really high. I think they've been out for a while. These guys have yeah. been out since 98, so. Like 100 people rated a year. Copper with a foamy head. Aroma is mainly malt. Malty taste, too. I'm sure it's past its best. Hmm. Whatever that means. It's best by drinking, dude. Oh, maybe. I think. Which, Which ours kind of is, too. By, by a couple weeks. A few weeks. But still, I'm enjoying it. Because it's got like a heavy upfront flavor, which kind of drops off for a second, but then mm-hmm. it, I feel like it picks back up, like in the aftertaste somehow. Yeah, it does. It's like super bitter, and then you relax for a little bit, but yeah, it finishes quite well. It just makes me wonder. I mean, I don't know what a fresh one, yeah, maybe would taste like, especially with the all these different hops going on. And I know with the hoppiness with these IPAs that it's got to be at the perfect temperature, and if it's not stored. That it can really taint. That um, is true. Yeah, the flavor. Like having zombie dust, like fresh yeah. bottled that day in my hands, this, drinking it, yeah. still cold from it being poured into the bottle. That that was good. Like imagine <laughs> it's it, a different flavor. This straight out of the fermenter or whatever would taste mm-hmm. completely different. I imagine. Yeah. Because even when we had stuff at Bird Boy before, he gave us like stuff that was out of the keg versus stuff that was out of the fermenter and mm-hmm. it, it was like a completely different flavor very different <laughs> getting deeper with those bites so maybe we could do a redemption with this one but I'm still enjoying it so oh yeah I'm still enjoying it yeah I'm not gonna shit all over it that's kind of the the problem with drinking bottles and bringing beer home like this yeah just to have that fresh I mean it really makes a difference still holds up oh beer advocate I didn't mention that. A 4.06 out of 5 with 7,392 ratings. Mm. So, pretty good scores on there. Untapped has a 3.69 with uh, 154,000 ratings. Hmm. Lots of people. Yeah. But it's only 3.69. Not quite as high as the rest of these sites. Here's a comment on the Beer Advocate. Rating an IPA is difficult, as it isn't my favorite style of beer. This one I did find appealing and enjoyable. Although it's obviously had strong taste of hops, there seemed to be larger than normal amount of malt softening the bitterness. Probably one of the only IPAs that I would try again. He gave it a 4 out of 5. Or maybe it was a she. Hopping Mad Monk. I couldn't find much on... On tap, not that many people commented yeah. recently. So there's not a lot of people. That's the thing about Untap; they don't comment as much, but they rate a lot more. 
But then again, you don't know who's rating it, but yeah, those are more of the people I think that are more relatable to, like some of these other guys, these beer experts, be like, well, that's you know your opinion versus the average Joe going into a bar and be like, eh, I like it, I'll order it again. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to hear is be like, would you drink it again? Right. Or is this, oh, God, don't ever make it again. Our friend, Mr. Gone V6, he wrote... Giving this a try tonight. Pretty good, nice hop flavor, a little citrus on the nose. It's good. And he gave it a 3.75. I can always count on him to have tried the beers before we had. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to rate. I'm getting there. I gotta. I'm checking it in. Log back into Untapped. After I poke the button several times, I will check it in. Man, let me give it a couple more sips. I'm wavering. I think I'm gonna go with this though. I had my rating. I had my rating, and then you had uh, Mr. Gone V6. I'm like, hand holding club with Mr. Gone. Hand holding club with me. Oh. (laughs) I gave this beer a 3.75. Me too. I think it's really good. It's got a great, like, roller coaster ride, as we were saying, Uh of flavors. That's what I really like about it. I only dropped it down a little bit because I think I rated all of the those hero pack around a four, mm-hmm. and I did, I thought this was not quite as good as those. Mm-hmm. This had a lot more going on. I think the hero pack was more consistent, yeah. and it was a good consistent yeah, throughout. Yeah, a nice is a, consistent flavor on those, mm-hmm. and this one's kind of like whoa, whoa, whoa! What am I drinking? What am I tasting? Yeah, so many hops going on. <laughs> but no, I I really like this. I would like to drink a couple more of these just to kind of get more of an idea of what I'm drinking because mm-hmm. like just this half a glass is kind of hard to tell I think but I think it it's also a testament to where we are now after drinking all these beers that we can now recognize the several different types of hops yeah. that may be in here that I, I think I can pinpoint Chinook now <laughs> yeah. um, or Citra or Citra hops so you, that getting that good blend like okay there's more than one hop going on mm-hmm. in this too many hops in my beer glass <laughs> Yeah, a year of rating and looking at different... Because we usually we would just drink them. We'd order a beer and drink it. You're not going to look at what hops are in it or anything right. than that. But as we record and look at what research, research. what mm-hmm. we're drinking, it kind of gives us a better idea of what to look for in the future. Absolutely. Well, like I said, 3.75 as well for pretty much the same reasons. Um, it's just almost too much going on. And like I said, I would love to try a fresh one of these. <laughs> I'd love to try a fresh one of these yeah. to um, to really compare. But it, it'll hold up. I, I would drink several of these just for the roller coaster ride alone. Yeah. Where am I going to end up? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a, like a little blurb episode, we'll grab one and just record like five minutes and see if we can get one that's like not past its best by date, like yeah. this one. Because I don't think we're going to go to Downington, Pennsylvania anytime soon. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap up. I don't have any more beers to share with you. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Until next time. I guess we'll have to get back together hopefully sometime soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah, we'll get the whole crew together. If we haven't already. Good point. (laughs) The joys of podcasting. It's like time travel. We record this so far in advance that who knows what's going to happen in between the posting. <laughs> we could all be uh, long gone by then. All right. That's true. So, Keith, I'm going to let you do the honors and tell them how to get a hold of us. Okay. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and updates on DrinkInGeekOut.us. You can subscribe by clicking on the links on our website or by searching Drink and Geek Out on iTunes or Google Play Store. To suggest a beer for us to review, you can email us at drinkandgeekout at gmail.com or tweet us using the hashtag drinkandgeekout. And if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks for listening, and until next time, drink up and geek out. Did I mess anything up by clicking this one? I don't know what this does. I think plugged in there doesn't affect anything. Okay. (laughs) I was frightened. I was just going down like this, and I felt click, click. I'm like, what'd I do? You pause the record.
be cool if I did. Just a quick pause. Yeah. yeah. Cough, cough. <laughs> Unpause. The cough button. The cough button. <coughs> Ooh. That was a two-stager. <laughs> Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.